It's time for episode 393 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, April 7th, 2021. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that never violates the laws of temporal mechanics. My name is Dan Moran, and I'm joined this week, sitting in for Micah Sargent, who is away. A very special co-host. It is the co-host of Automators right here on Relay FM, as well as many other fine shows. It's Rosemary Orchard. Hi, Rosemary. Hello, Dan. It's lovely to be co-hosting with you this week. It is a delight to have you. On to introducing the first of our two guests to my left this week. It is our favorite correspondent from Slovenia. It's Andrzej Tomic. Welcome back, Andrzej. Well, I'm a correspondent now. This is new. Okay. Hi, Dan. Yeah, you've been oh, promoted. Congratulations. Yeah. You were promoted. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I'll be looking forward to the increase in pay also. So, yes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Any moment now. <laughs> <laughs> and to my left, we have uh, James Thompson, developer of uh, PCALC, Dice by PCALC, and in future Deck by PCALC, perhaps? Uh, well, thank you for having me on. You know how much I love to be prepared for this show. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, uh, I know you've taken the time to do that, so let's just launch right into the first topic we have this week. Apple Arcade expanded its game offerings last week, including versions of older popular iOS games that are now available ad-free and unlocked. I'm curious, is this finally Apple's recipe for success in gaming? Anjay, any thoughts? How how many times have we asked that question and then... (laughs) (laughs) One of these times is bound to be right, right? Yeah, I I think it's, it's... I don't know. It's it's actually it's it's sort of funny at this point because they keep trying something and like news like that comes out and they do like they kind of rejigger everything and then nothing happens. And I don't know. I, I, I always figured something's bound to happen. Right? Like, the, the, there's going to be a move they'll pull and it's all going to kind of fall into place. And you know, and it just seems not to happen beyond what's in the app store. And we all know that like a lot of those games are basically just a, like a redress casino you know and, and nothing more so i, I don't know like i I, ju- I do like when john siracusa kind of talks about gaming and apple and just how hopeless they are so i i always kind of in my head i always argued with with him about that but like at this point like i don't know like some old free games that are ad free and you know yay so now everyone's gonna game on apple's platforms yeah I don't know. Maybe when the new remote for the Apple TV comes out and basically just looks like a DualShock controller, then maybe we'll talk. But until then, I don't know. Like, they just just ask the question again in a couple of months when they do another thing and we'll say, (laughs) well, maybe this time, no. (laughs) Yes, I I have to agree. Sometimes you look at it and you go, hmm, what are they really targeting here? For me, uh, Fruit Ninja downloaded it, installed it immediately. I'm loving playing with it. Um, I originally got that, and I think I I, I even played it on my original 12.9-inch iPad Pro um, because you need all that space for slicing the fruit with a samurai sword because this is what gaming is clearly about. Um, and I think that there is definitely, for some of us, an element of nostalgia here. You know, it's, it's not like, you know, the Nintendo GameCube type 
nostalgia, but there's still, you know, these are the games that we, we remember and we love. So getting those back is great. Um, but um, at the same time, um, you know, is this really a, a level of success? And then some of these games are duplicated. So there's Mini Metro and there's Mini Metro Plus. Um, one of them's an Apple Arcade and one of them isn't. And... Oh, wow. It's it's a bit confusing, so I don't know if this is going to be their recipe for success, but maybe it's the sprinkles of success, mm. which, you know, they can they can add the rest of the cake batter to. What do you think, James? I, I'm not really ready for nostalgia about stuff that was like 10, <laughs> 11 years ago. Thank you very much. That just feels like last week. Um, I I mean, like, I'm wondering if there is a new Apple TV, like, that's because there's been rumors of a new Apple TV for like the last couple of years, and the one that's there is so old. And you know, I I have this hope that like in a couple of weeks they'll roll out this you know all encompassing game strategy that they've been working on for years, and that's why they delayed the box because they wanted to have the latest uh, chip in it and GPU and all this sort of stuff. But it does kind of feel that they've been playing catch up for a long time. Um, I think the only thing that might save them is that it is physically impossible to buy a PlayStation 5 or (laughs) Xbox Series X or anything because Apple owns the entire output of all the chip foundries right now. Uh, So if they could use that to get some decent box out uh, that would tie into this stuff, then maybe. But, you know, just bringing back Fruit Ninja is not suddenly going to make them Nintendo. Yeah, I, I think there's I, this is a mixed bag for me. I think there's some clever ideas here because in some ways, not having stuff that's purely an Apple Arcade exclusive means that people kind of have a better idea of the value they're getting. Because if they go on the App Store and they see like, oh, I could buy, uh, you know, Mini Metros or this other app and those will each cost me a few bucks to unlock everything. Or I could get Arcade and get both of those included. It's much more akin to what stuff like what Microsoft is doing with its Game Pass subscription service. So I think that's smart, but I do think the big block, as sort of Anjay alluded to, is that Apple's mentality when it comes to gaming is really tricky because I don't think it's something they've ever really gotten. I just don't know what the com- the competition in the in the you know living room area is like because it's not they're not competing against Xboxes and Playstations. I don't think they're even competing against the Switch. Um, there's no kid out there who's going to be really excited to unwrap an Apple TV on the morning of Christmas and go and like, you know, it's that moment <laughs> where your parents buy the off brand like AirPods for you or something. You're like, this is, it's exactly the same as what you wanted, isn't it? And you're like, no, it's not the same. Anyway, I, I think that this is their, their latest attempt and I'm not super optimistic about it, but every little bit helps, I guess. So we shall see. I'm sure we'll be talking about this again in the next few months. Uh, thanks for your thoughts on that. Let's go to our second topic, which comes from Anjay. So yeah, LG basically just left the mobile phone uh, business. And so my questions, it's like a two-parter. Have you ever owned an LG device? Because I, I, I envision Dan owning like an LG chocolate at some point, you know, in, on, like in college or whenever that was. And do you actually care that they left or... You know, are you just kind of, meh, you know? Uh, well, um, I'm sitting here looking at an LG device right now, and that's my monitor. But I'm guessing you're talking really about LG mobile devices, yes. like their phones and so on. And I believe I did have um, an LG phone. I believe it was my very first touchscreen phone. It And it was um, from whatever mobile network I was using here in the UK at the time, um, because it was cheaper than an iPhone. So I got that and an iPod Touch thinking, this is a perfect solution. Why would any 
anybody be as so silly as to buy an iPhone? Um, says the person who now owns an iPhone 12 Pro Max because apparently that screen's still not big enough for her. <laughs> um, I think it is a shame they've left the playing field um, because, you know, we, we do need competition. Um, and especially in the Android market where we've got all these manufacturers doing their own sort of not exactly version flavor of Android is definitely, I think, the the right uh, phrasing for that, especially considering cupcakes and so on. Um, you know, uh, there there are differentiators, um, and um, and the more competition there is, obviously, the better. Um, and especially with companies like Nokia coming back to this, um, with you know, and they're they're one of their USPs is that they do stock android on devices you know mm. why why is lg giving up on this maybe they've just decided that that part of the business needs to close down because it's not profitable enough but it, i i personally feel it's a shame um well i i'm also looking at an lg screen off to my left and my television is an lg tv because it's the least worst ui i've seen in a big manufacturer tv which is not saying much um, but I have never owned a non-Apple smartphone or even a non-Nokia phone uh, in the old olden days. So I can't really speak to their devices. But as you say, a competition is good. But I think they've just decided that there's more money selling shovels in a gold rush than there is trying to compete with uh, all the other manufacturers. And yeah, I mean, it's like it's basically Apple and Samsung and then a few others, and maybe internationally slightly different uh, uh, numbers. But yeah, that doesn't seem to be a, a, a good way to get uh, innovation. So in that sense, yes, uh, I think it's bad that they've left the market. Yeah, I mean, sorry to disappoint. I've never owned an LG phone at all. My two previous phones were uh, both Motorola's. I, I, and like James, I've never owned a non-Apple smartphone. I think, you know, uh, end of the day, it's it's just bottom line. LG was never really cracking the top, like, 10. I don't even know, maybe top. <laughs> it, they, their, their numbers were always very low. Uh, they'd been losing money. And I think they make plenty of money in other places, and there's a lot more profit to be gained from those. So I think they had some clever and interesting innovation stuff. I actually thought the LG Wing, I have no idea if that was a good phone or not, but I thought it was an interesting idea, at least. It was something different. That's fine. But like again, it's the idea of, like I like, I like seeing people taking risks and doing different things. It didn't pay off, clearly, for them. So that's not a, you know, it's not always going to work. Uh, and I think there is a, an element of feeling like, I'm sad to see, you know, people taking more radical ideas uh, falling by the wayside just because everything starts to feel very samey and you need people to innovate to come up with new stuff that pushes the industry forward. And competition is one way to help do that. But you could very easily make a strong argument that if LG wasn't selling very well, its competition didn't really matter. <laughs> so, yeah, end of the day, I'm not too sad about it. And I would also not be surprised if it's not the f not the last smartphone manufacturer to shut down their business in this economy Andre, why don't you wrap us up here yeah i actually did own uh like an lg flagship i think it was like the g4 for a very brief time and i basically reviewed most of their phones that uh, came out and the one thing i would say is like like dan said they did kind of experiment a lot and the one thing i'll always be sort of indebted to them is the ultra wide camera because for a while mm -hmm. there you were basically they were basically the first sort of manufacturer to do that so so they did pull off a couple of things that were kind of great but ever since like the g5 i don't know if you know the the g5 was sort of a 
like a modular phone, the kind of whole bottom mm, kind oh of opened yeah. up and had like, yeah. yeah, that was, when I saw that, I was like, oh, this is not going very well, is it? So, <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but all, all in all, like the, I just, uh, I just wrote like a big article basically kind of comparing the, the very low, low budget phones that are kind of available here in Slovenia. And it kind of mirrors what's available in Europe. And it's kind of, it's a sad state of affairs. Like the, uh, it's basically Samsung and then uh, Huawei was basically kneecapped by the whole trade disagreement or whatever. So they're pretty much gone at this point. So now LG is leaving. Sony gave up a while ago. So it's basically sort of a couple of Chinese. Chinese brands, like uh, Rose said, uh, Nokia's sort of coming back, but not really in any meaningful way. So it's a really, really sad state of affairs. So I, I don't know. I like. I always liked LG, but saying that the the two phones I had in my test, like the just I just finished that a couple of weeks ago, like they were like. 200 euro phones like maybe 250 like truly terrible devices like really just <laughs> crappy crappy phones like no way around that and uh, Dan mentioned the wing no no that's not no yeah all right that is two topics down two topics to go which of course means it's halftime here clockwise this week and this week's episode is brought to you by privacy.com we're all concerned about our financial privacy online. I do all my banking online these days, and I always worry a little bit when I go to, you know, even go to a retail site, like, ah, oh, do I want to give my credit card company to another retail site? Our, this data gets leaked all over the place. Privacy is a tool that makes it easy to manage your financial lives online while keeping your most important information secure. By generating virtual numbers, privacy masks your bank information, so you never have to worry about giving out to people you don't know online. And like I said, it's frustrating, right? Like we all do e-commerce in all these places and, you know, maybe some of them have Apple Pay, but not everybody has Apple Pay. And so you have to sort of deal with what are the vagaries of this particular site? Are they going to leak my data? Is it going to be compromised? So a service like Privacy can really help you make sure that you're being safe about sharing your financial data online. Take back control of your payments, decide who can charge your card, how much and how often, and you can close cards at any time. Plus, you can make sure you're never accidentally billed twice or upgraded to another service without your consent. And Privacy is partnered with the good folks at 1Password. You can create, use, and save privacy cards directly within your 1Password dashboard. All virtual cards created in 1Password will have the same security benefits as your other privacy cards. And you can set spend limits or create single-use or merchant lock cards whenever you want. Head to privacy.com slash clockwise and sign up for an account. New customers will automatically get $5 to spend on your first purchase. Go to privacy.com slash clockwise and sign up now. Our thanks to Privacy for their support of this show and RelayFM. All right, that is halftime. Rosemary, what have you brought for us today? Well, I have brought rumors because who doesn't like anything better than a completely non-existent, non-substantial rumor? However, the rumors this week are that the new M1 or ARM or M1X, M2, whatever it is, iMac that's coming is bigger than 27 inches. Wow, dramatic music, definitely required. And I was wondering, where do all of you actually land in the the preferred screen sizes world? And what do you actually use day to day? And how do you feel about it? James? I am using uh, an iMac Pro 27 inch and I have a second uh, 24 inch 4K LG screen to the left of it running at the same resolution as my main screen. So basically I've got the equivalent of two 27 inches uh, screens here. Um, I'm not sure that 32 is actually going to make a huge amount of difference, you know, because I need two screens, uh, just like the extra, I you know, 
if only I knew something that could work out the maths of the, <laughs> the extra screen real estate that you would get from that. You know, I, I can see if they reduce the bezels, they can get a bigger screen in and that's great. As they get bigger, though, I find like my eyes are like, it's like when you're sitting in the cinema right up at the front and you've got a movie like going around uh, around your head. It's quite difficult to actually focus on stuff. I find these things useful for two things. Uh, development, um, I'm always like running, you know, like a an a big iPad in a simulator and looking at code and then a, f- a phone and, you know, watch uh, and all these things open at once. And I find that very useful. The other thing, uh, as many of us in this room will know, is Dungeons and Dragons, where you end up with like 10 windows open and, you know, notes and, and recording setups and streaming setups and all sort of things. So, you know, I I think that the extra screen real estate is is you know always welcome. I I get slightly concerned about the just whether I'm going to get whiplash trying to actually look at a screen that big. Uh, but yeah, I mean, bring it on. But I again don't think I'm going to shave off my eyebrows if this doesn't appear in the next couple of weeks. Uh, reference acknowledged. Um... Uh, you know, it's funny. I've got a 27-inch iMac on my desk, which I've had for a number of years now. And I always was one of those people who's like, it's like, ah, 27-inch screen must be enough for anybody. And now I think, oh, it seems small sometimes. I could use a bigger display. Um, I think that there's certainly room for a 30-inch display, maybe not on my desk, but like in the lineup. Uh, because uh, just the amount of real estate that is available is sometimes just, it's just not enough. And I guess I could go to multi-monitors, but I've never had a really good setup for it. and. Uh, Apple external monitor hookups are sometimes flaky. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't certainly turn my nose up at a 30-inch display, although I might need to in order to see all of it. Uh, I, other than that, I use a 13-inch MacBook Air as my main machine, and I will say moving to that from an 11-inch MacBook Air was a huge difference. Uh, a lot of that being sort of retina, adding a retina screen and stuff like that, too. Um, so I, I think it's plausible. I would not be surprised. I imagine the the smaller of the IMAX is certainly going to end up with a larger screen than it used to have when it's shifts to Apple Silicon. I think, I think I'm pretty confident about that because it just seems like an, like an easy change to make, especially if you're going to make the bezels thinner and everything. So I don't know. I, I see people use larger displays. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Apple decide that people want a bigger display and, and maybe they can fit it into something that's pretty close to the same size. Anjay, any thoughts? Well, uh, just, okay, first I use basically a double monitor setup at work, and then at home I have one of those weird LG, slightly curved, really big monitors that's basically two monitors glued together. <laughs> but that's just, just my use case, because I do a lot of audio editing, and I really do enjoy that. Like, I would not recommend those ridiculous monitors to anybody else, basically. As far as the, the, the iMac goes, like, I'm still a Windows guy, but the, the whole uh, ARM move by Apple is the first time I'm like seriously considering sort of a non-mobile device that's that's uh, from Apple and when I hear they're going maybe even bigger than 27 inches like that that's kind of does make sense to me I think like at, at the end of the day more real estate is more real estate uh, but the, the thing the, the problem I have with the iMac is still that it's still a computer glued to the screen right like like James said he then has a an extra LG monitor to decide like why Apple stopped making like great displays is still weird to me not the you know i can buy a car for the ultra what i don't even know the name the xdr special 
you know, display the cell now, which costs just, I don't know, I like my kidneys. But like the the sort of, the, 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 the panels that are in the IMAX are usually some of the best source panels LG makes. As far as I'm aware, like those are really great screens. So if they go to 32, that's kind of great. But I'll still, when I'm looking at new Macs now, it's like right now, it's like a mini and my LG, basically. <laughs> that's still my preferred setup. But yeah, more real estate is more real estate. So I hope they do it anyway. So. Well, I'm, I'm sitting here in front of a 34-inch ultra-wide screen curved monitor, which sounds suspiciously <laughs> like what Ajay's got. Yeah. Um, and I have to say, I, I like it. Uh, I had the flat one before at work, and uh, the the curve is, is the curve is good. But um, I, I personally feel that um, screen sizes are a very personal preference. Um, and a lot of people will uh, pick monitors based on price rather than what is actually going to be most effective for them. So to an extent, Apple with their all-in-one machine is also saying, and this is also going to be, um, you know, the right monitor size for you um, to actually get work done on. Because, you know, that's what people buy. They walk into the Apple store and they look and, well, I want a desktop. Okay, so you've got a Mac mini or you've got an iMac. Do you, do you want to buy your own monitor, keyboard and mouse? No. Okay, then then here's the, here's the iMac. That's it. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. So, yes, I I think a little bit of extra real estate, especially in the time of everybody is probably working from home, um, um, or you know they're working from home more, realizing that a good setup is actually useful is great. Um, I just hope that we also get some adjustable text sizes to go with it. Thank you, macOS, <laughs> for that wonderful missing accessibility preference. So, uh, I believe it's time for our final topic. James, you have had around about 25 minutes to prepare. Are you ready? (laughs) So, um, through a variety of enablers, I have somehow ended up owning a Stream Deck. Sort of partially opened Pandora's box of automation. Do you have a Stream Deck and what do you use it for? And if not, do you use any other automation technology like Apple Script or Shortcuts? Ooh, interesting question. I've glanced covetously at a stream deck from time to time because i do do a lot of streaming stuff for the total party kill show for the incomparable um and obviously do a bunch of audio streaming stuff for this podcast and other podcasts and so the idea of having like a little you know device where i can press buttons and have stuff happens is, is very appealing i think there are some shortcomings with the way that automation's handled on mac os right now my my colleague jason snell uh wrote a piece about this uh six colors this past week about how uh, Mac OS has kind of fallen behind iOS uh, and maybe shortcuts on Mac OS is something that should exist and, and make things a lot easier to do because doing similar tasks are very difficult. Um, so I do a little bit of automation stuff. I gotta say not that much on my Mac. I, I've played around with keyboard maestro and some other stuff, but honestly, uh, I, I'm, I'm interested in doing more. I wish the curve was a little shallower in terms of, of getting people on board, but I suspect other people here will have more to say about this. So I'll just yield the rest of my time. Anche, anything automation-wise? Uh, yes, I do have a Stream Deck, um, yes, uh, which which is a great device. I, I also have the mechanical keyboard disease. So the one knock against it is the mushy buttons, but I kind of live with that, so it's fine. Uh, I basically use it to, to record stuff, and I have like a, a couple of macros for when I edit, and it's kind of... it's. It's one of those things that I probably couldn't do without now. And I was very skeptical at first. But, uh, I, I never saw sort of the appeal until I actually had 
actual work to do, if that makes sense. Like when you actually, we, we have work to do and you can kind of shave a couple of seconds or minutes here and there, then a device like the stream that kind of makes more and more sense. And now I'm I'm not at the point where I would have to get rid of the, the medium-sized one and get the, the large one that basically looks like something out of a Boeing aircraft. But uh, I, I, I'm afraid I'm slowly and but surely heading in that direction. So, And I, I do edit all of my audio stuff in Reaper, uh, which I do recommend because it's a great DAW and I kind of have a bunch of little things uh, on my stream deck that used to take more button presses than now just take one button press and it's awesome and it's one of those things that i kind of like playing around with and so yeah i'm i'm all team stream deck basically yeah what's the stream deck james um <laughs> so I, I feel very guilty because I was definitely one of these enablers, and this week is probably Stream Deck Week here at Really FM. Um, uh, as as some people may be aware, I recently upgraded from a medium to a large Stream Deck, yeah. um, which may or may not have enabled some enabling. Um, <laughs> and uh, yes, I I do do this thing called automation from from time to time. I, I find it comes in handy every once in a while. Um, and uh, specifically on the Stream Deck, I'm using a, a great plugin called. Uh, KM Link, um, which is a third-party one, but it's um, much easier to use than the native keyboard maestro plugin uh, for Stream Deck. And with that, I I just have it do things for me. Like for example, um, if I'm doing something in ScreenFlow, then every so often when I I edit chapter markers and I go back and I just add done space dash space to the beginning, but that requires double clicking on the chapter marker pressing command left arrow, typing done space dash space and typing enter. And now I just double click and press the stream deck button. Um, and it means that done is consistently spelt um, <laughs> and it always ends up there. And it's amazing what things you end up automating when you've got the tools at hand and you've got the the real estate to do it in. Because I found uh, having like conflict palettes appear on my screen or buttons that I need to click or keyboard uh, shortcuts that I need to press that works, but it just doesn't feel um, as easy for me to get into it um, and actually do it. And that's the whole thing, right? It's about actually doing your work instead of sitting around pretending to work. So, yeah, when I say that I own one, it hasn't arrived quite yet. I was eagerly waiting for the postman today. Um, uh, I, I have bought Rosemary's uh, smaller stream deck. Um so it appealed to me because it seemed to be like a touch bar, but useful. Um, <laughs> I hate the touch bar with an absolute passion because literally all it does is whenever I press the delete key, I sometimes mute my machine or trigger Siri or something like that. And I like the idea of this, of being able to have physical keys in a known place that I can use to trigger stuff. Um, and I've I've been playing with keyboard maestro for a while, and uh, you know that that seems to have decent integration at least uh, with the the Stream Deck software. So there's a, a lot of things that I could do, and I am I'm not saying that I ask this question because I'm like trying to justify my purchase, um, but you know it's, it's partially that. the The one thing is, uh, you know, a number of people have said that the software, this the official Stream Deck software, is not great, and perhaps have been encouraging me that I might write deck by Peacock, uh, uh some third-party Stream Deck software. This might happen. We'll see. If nothing else, I want to wire up uh, dice to it so that I can like push buttons and, and roll dice in a sort of tactile <laughs> way. 
<laughs> All right, that's four topics down. We got just enough time for a bonus topic. But before we get to that, this week's episode of Clockwise is brought to you by PDF Pen from our friends at Smile. Does your PDF editor allow you to secure documents, do OCR scanning, fill out and sign forms? Does it allow you to do all that on the go and at a low cost? PDF Pen does. PDF Pen is the all-purpose PDF editor that also allows you to improve your workflow and productivity, which we were just talking about, add signatures, text, and images, make changes, and correct typos. Everybody likes to find better ways to work on their workflow. We were literally, again, just discussing this automation, uh, all sorts of ways to streamline and, and avoid having to do those cumbersome tasks that you don't want to do over and over again. Uh, for me, I, the ability to improve workflow stuff and, and sort of do uh, secure documents and then fill out and sign forms in PDF Pen is, is potentially a huge time saver. Anyways, if you work at with pdfs you need pdf pen and you can keep everything synced too because pdf pen and pdf pro work with pdf pen for ipad and iphone for seamless editing across devices with cloud services such as icloud dropbox google drive onedrive etc you can learn more about pdf pen and pdf pen pro at pdfpen.com podcast that's pdfpen.com podcast our thanks to pdf pen from smile for their support of this show and relay fm all right lightning bonus topic time do you still send greeting cards for birthdays or holidays anjay i have never done that so no and no basically all right i i suddenly feel very old-fashioned i for for lots of people i just send uh a nice message um with like a cute cat or something but other people i do definitely actually post them physical cards uh from recycled treats uh because you know environment hmm. james uh, yeah, I mean, it really depends on how much I love you. So <laughs> if, if you haven't got one, well, you know, what can I say? Yeah, I send very few. Uh, I just sent one to my uncle the other week because he's not very online and it was his birthday and it seemed like a good opportunity. But yeah, usually these days it's a text or something like that. All right. That is the end of the show. All that remains is for us to thank our fantastic guest this week. Anjay Tomich, thank you so much for being here. Uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. And James Thompson, thank you for being here as well. Uh, well, I, I appreciate the trial by fire. <laughs> and Rosemary, thank you so much for filling in this week. Really appreciate it. Not a problem. Micah should be back next week as far as I know. But until then, we remind all of you listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. <laughs>